Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. We've got Frank Garcia, one of the OGs, original Panthers, joining us in about 15 minutes. We're going to get his take on this report that the Carolina Panthers have interviewed former Green Bay Packers head coach Mike McCarthy for its vacant head coaching position. And you look at it, and it makes sense, and it doesn't make sense. And then you look at it again, and you're like, well, it makes perfect sense. McCarthy is a veteran of the NFL, 13 seasons with the Packers. He had a winning record, won a Super Bowl. But those last two years, 11 and 18, and he was criticized for offenses that were not evolving with the other systems in the league. He wasn't going towards a spread offense, staying more traditional. So he got criticized for that a bit. And, of course, there's the reported rift or beef or whatever he had with franchise quarterback Aaron Rodgers. But since then, he seems to have reinvented himself, perhaps the way he coaches. He's got this McCarthy project going on. I'm, I'm wondering how much that's being considered. I mean, and how, how, much, how much has he evolved during this year off? Says he's studying analytics more. He's coming into the 21st century more, almost 2020. Has he changed the way he approaches Coaching in the NFL. A lot of coaches are having to do it. You either evolve or you die. You or you're unemployed at least. Is Mike McCarthy one of those guys who's saying, you know what? I'm uh I'm not just gonna sit here and continue to run an I formation pro style offense or whatever, single back, whatever you want to call it, West Coast even. I'm gonna go towards this spread offense. More mobile quarterbacks. They're calling it the McCarthy Project. He's with some other longtime coaches, and they get together weekly, if not more often, and break down film, study analytics. They even they even schedule practices. How would they do this? How would they do that? Everything's simulated like they are coaching. And I'm wondering if he sat down in front of David Tepper, and he said, here's how I would do it. And it's brilliant. If indeed that's what happened, it's brilliant. That's how you nail a job interview. You literally sit down and say, this is what I would do. Here's proof. Here are examples. And, of course, he's got 13 years of work with the Packers. But here's how he would change going forward. And he's got it all prepared. And he's got this simulated body of work. It's, it's brilliant. And I'm wondering if other coaches are going to follow suit going forward. I mean, it's, it's difficult to pull off. You have to have other coaches who are unemployed, other coaches who are at that level, and other coaches who are willing to put in the time to do something like this. Now, and, and here's something else to consider. Let's say Mike McCarthy is hired by the Panthers. Do all these other coaches come with him? I mean, he's already got a simulated staff at his disposal. Do those guys come to Carolina? Do they come to Charlotte? Nothing's been announced yet. And David Tepper's going to do his due diligence, and he's going to interview other candidates. He's going to talk to other guys. He's going to vet some people, and he'll find out who he thinks is the coach that he wants, that bets fits his vision. But also bet, bet this. Mike McCarthy is going to talk to other people as well because when you think about it, how good of a job is the HC of the Carolina Panthers? If you have other options, where do you put the Panthers' job? Look, it's not coaching the Cowboys, even though that comes with its own set of issues. It's not coaching the Steelers. You could say it's not even coaching Green Bay. 
You could take you could take the best years, and I actually heard this this morning. You could take the best years in the history of the Carolina Panthers, 25 seasons, take the 13 best, and they don't equal his 13 years in Green Bay. Why is that? Is it because of Mike McCarthy? Or is it simply because of the other advantages that come with being a pillar franchise such as the Green Bay Packers? A longer history, a, a deeper fan base. I don't know if the Carolina job would be a top model list if that if if you look at it through those lenses. It's got a stadium that's going to need some work, needs work now, and they've already done several renovations to it. But it's considered antiquated by some. Stadium's 24 years old now. And it's kind of kind of painted in a corner being uptown. You can only do so much to it. Not that the stadium would necessarily have anything to do with his decision, but that's a good example of what would go into making a choice like this. Okay, let's consider the facilities. Well, they're building all that over in South Carolina, David Tepper. And, and one of the buildings they're, they're constructing, this tower, it's going to be the largest structure in South Carolina, the tallest, over in Fort Mill. I'm, I'm going to be fascinated to see what the organization looks like in six months. Not only from the head coaching position, but the, the staff, the assistants, what the front office is going to look like. Because, again, David Tepper said he's going to shift things there. He's going to change the, the organizational chart. They're adding some jobs. They're taking some responsibilities from this and giving it to that and creating another. Who's going to be the general manager? Will it be a traditional general manager's role? And then, of course, the roster. What's it going to look like? Got some contracts coming up. Who do you pay? Who do you not pay? But everything, and I alluded to it during the first hour right off the bat, everything involving the Carolina Panthers begins and ends with the quarterback position. And, and you know that's true to a certain extent with any franchise. If you don't have a quarterback, you can't win. Having a Trent Dilfer in Baltimore win a Super Bowl, that's an anomaly because they had an otherworldly defense. That's the best example of that over the past 20 years. Otherwise, you've got to have a quarterback. You've got to have a Drew Brees. You've got to have a Peyton Manning. You've got to have a Tom Brady. The New England Patriots aren't the New England Patriots without, without Tom Brady. Belichick, for all his greatness, is not nearly the coach that he is now without Tom Brady. It's a perfect marriage. We'd be looking at a very different history, an alternate history of the NFL if Tom Brady hadn't been in New England. And you have to think about all the other teams that would have Super Bowl championships now, perhaps even the Carolina Panthers, who lost to New England their first trip to the Super Bowl. It's a fascinating exercise. What if Drew, what, what if Drew Bledsoe doesn't get hurt when he gets hurt and Tom Brady comes in? They keep Drew Bledsoe as quarterback one, QB one. What happens going forward? It's interesting to find out. Saints and Panthers this weekend, 1 o'clock kickoff on Fox. New Orleans, 13-point favorites. New Orleans win, a couple of losses. They're going to wrap up home field advantage throughout the NFC playoffs. There's great value in that. And you have to think Sean Payton and his crew are going to come in uber-focused. 
As for how the Panthers are going to look, we have no idea. Will Greer again going to start at quarterback, the 100th overall pick in the 2019 NFL Draft, making his second career start. And here's my biggest beef with it. I, I Look, you got to play him. And is he an upgrade over Kyle Allen? Perhaps. Neither, at this point at least, are starting quarterback quality. But when they said last week, and it was Scott Turner, the new offensive coordinator, former quarterbacks coach, who's now the offensive coordinator after the shakeup with Ron Rivera, when they said that, yes, he's definitely starting and that they had always targeted that date and they have felt for weeks and weeks, I believe they alluded to week three, that he was capable of stepping in and starting, why didn't they make a change the more Kyle Allen struggled? Kyle Allen had 22 turnovers in his 12-game stretch as the starting quarterback of the Carolina Panthers. 11 of those, 50% interceptions. His last six games as a starter, all losses, by the way, he was sacked 25 times. If they felt that Will Greer was ready, and those are his words, those are the words of Scott Turner, ready in week three, why didn't they make the change? Why didn't they let him get starting snaps during practice before last week? Will Greer didn't take first team, first team snaps until last week. None. And they expect him to go and start an NFL game on the road against a pretty good Indianapolis defense. Indianapolis has had some major issues this year, but their defense is up and coming. If they felt that he's been ready since week three, why did they wait until week 16 to make him the starter? Why did they continue to write out Kyle Allen? And look, we all sang Kyle Allen's praises during a four-game stretch when he took over. All he did was win, and he did it without throwing an interception. He still fumbled. The dude can't hold on to the ball, but he won. But Kyle Allen 2.0, that being the guy that lost six in a row or seven of eight, hmm. he wasn't the same quarterback. Why didn't they make a change? Why did they continue to ride with him? Or at the very least, why didn't they give Will Greer more first-team snaps during this stretch that ultimately decided the fate of the entire season that ended up eliminating the Panthers from the playoffs? I, I don't understand the logic behind it. If they said he's ready, they're either lying or they have some kind of cockeyed reason, cockamamie reason for why they didn't put him in a starting quarterback position. I'm going to ask that question of Frank Garcia in about five minutes when he joins us and see what he thinks. Why didn't they do it earlier? Why didn't they make the change earlier at quarterback if they felt Will Greer was ready? And what would Frank Garcia do first to correct the franchise that drafted him in the fourth round in 1995? We'll ask him those questions when we come back. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Mike Lupica, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Sports used to be called the toy department, and I said, look at the political scene, and, and, and tell me that's any more real or, or more serious than what we see when people say, oh, stick to sports. Well, who passed that law? You're listening to the David Glenn Show.
Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Scott Hamilton filling in for David Glenn. He's off spreading Christmas cheer. Hasn't been a whole lot of cheer spread throughout the Carolina Panthers locker room, but I bet our guest had a cheerful day yesterday. He was drafted by the Carolina Panthers 1995, way back when, spent six seasons with them, nine seasons total in the NFL. Frank Garcia, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you guys, too. Happy Hanukkah and, uh, you know, Kwanzaa and all the, good, all the good things that are taking place today. Frank Garcia, very thoughtful, Charles. He includes everyone in this world. Frank, what was the, uh, what was the theme yesterday for the Garcia family? You know, we had uh, we had the kids opening presents early in the morning. Uh, Santa got his cookies on time and uh, plenty of milk. Oh, okay. Now, when I was a kid, I had to leave beer and pizza. That is <laughs> that is a serious thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, your your uh, your Santa may have been a little bit uh, different than mine. Yeah, my Santa was uh, he liked beer and pizza, but I digress. Frank, I, I've, I've got a question for you. We, we've got this report about Mike McCarthy interviewing for the head coach of the Panthers, and I see some pros, I see some cons. Are are, are you buying it? Is this a, is this a good possible hire for what David Tepper wants to accomplish? You know, it's really hard, difficult to kind of establish, you know, what uh, you know what type of coach, head coach that uh, Tepper's looking for because he's so new as well. But I think whoever it is is going to you know, be a good leader of men. Uh, he's going to have some experience. I don't think he's looking for a college uh, startup coach uh, to make their name the first time in the NFL. And I think they're also looking for a guy that might be a little bit analytical. And McCarthy, believe it or not, when he was with the Packers, uh, you know, was probably ahead of his time and using that uh, method a little bit more uh, than what coaches were doing back then. And uh, I think that's kind of the way the game's gone with the passing game and the way that uh, people are attacking through the air. And uh, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, how uh, how they develop if that's the direction they go in. Yeah, David Tepper, he's proven to be a patient guy. I mean, he could have come in last year and changed things immediately, but I thought he was very thoughtful by giving the, the team basically a full year by letting Ron Rivera kind of get things in order before he ultimately made a change. So I, I think David Tepper will do his due diligence. But are, are there any other names, though, that you would like to see considered? Maybe a, maybe a coordinator or a former head coach or a current head coach that you think would be a good fit for the Panthers? You know, Greg Roman has really put in his time you know, in the NFL. Uh, I remember he was back at the Panthers as a graduate assistant, assistant offensive line coach, and uh, you know, a guy that's really worked himself through the ranks. I think a lot of it's going to start with, if they're going to go in that direction, uh, who the quarterback's going to be and how they're going to develop that. If they're going to draft, and I think you can establish maybe a new coach and, and grow that relationship. If it's, a, if it's a Cam Newton, if healthy type of situation, then I think it's going to be somebody that's maybe a little bit more accustomed to using his attributes, and I think Greg Rome would be a perfect fit for that. Let's pretend your name is Tepper and not Garcia. What, 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 what's the first thing you do, though, to really correct this franchise? Well, the first thing I'm going to do is buy a new house and uh, a lot more cars uh, because I'm going to be a lot richer than what I am right now. But, <laughs> um, you know, as far as the, the, the direction of the organization goes, um, you know, the, the, the really I think the thing that they have to establish is, um, you know, who's, who's going to be that next guy coming in? I think you really want to do your due diligence on Cam Newton. Um, you want to listen to the doctors and see what they have established as the baseline. Um, you know, he hasn't been healthy in three years. Uh, he, you know, a lot of the you know, injuries that he's you know gotten are, are due to wear and tear. And the older you play with his style of play, uh, he's 
he's been a guy that's taken a lot of beatings, you know, similar to a running back. And, you know, those guys don't, uh, you know, they don't get healthier as they, as they go further into their career. So I'm going to establish who the quarterback is. Uh, if, if that's Cam, then, um, you know, I think we can go from there to look who the, who the coach is going to fit that best. Um, and then also leader of men, um, you know, who, who, who sees the same way that I would as, as the owner, who sees the direction, you know, that, uh, mediocrity is not something that anybody wants to stand for. And I think that, uh, you know, you have to establish a, a culture and a winning uh, pedigree. And uh, I think that's one of the things I'd be looking for with that head coach. You know, Frank, this this might not be an easy question or at least not an easy question to answer without having some time to sit down and think about it. But how how did we get to this point? Because Cam goes down and it seemed like the whole ship sank and it was on all sides of the football, offense, defense, special teams. How how did this come to pass? Well, Kyle Allen, um, you know, won several games initially. And, um, you know, he did a really good job of, um, you know, kind of filling in. But he's a backup for a reason. And, uh, eventually, the weaknesses started to you know, show through. Um, the offensive line and injuries, and everybody deals with injuries, but uh, you know, having an inconsistent offensive line is one of those things that uh, I think really hurt this team. And then, in, in particular, on the defense, they, had, they weren't able to stop the run all year long. And you know, that starts with any good defense up the middle. So there's, there's some holes that need to be plugged, for sure, with this organization. If you're going to go defensively, I think you start up the middle like you would with any good defense. I think you look at safeties. I think you look at uh, maybe another defensive tackle. And then you have to establish that uh, second corner to Bradbury because I think you're going to pay him. Offensively, you have to get an offensive tackle to be able to protect the quarterback. Uh, that's one of the, the swinging gate, uh, the revolving door, you know, that has been kind of haunting this team for the last several years is, you know, not really having that guy that's, uh, you know, going to be that 10-year player. They try to get that guy in Khalil. They try to draft, you know, through, uh, you know, through, through, the, through the young players. And just none of those guys have really panned out. So they got to establish who that's going to be first and foremost. And, um, you know, that's kind of where you start building with this organization, in my opinion. Chris McCaffrey's a heck of a player, no weaknesses, and uh, he's, he's only going to get better. We're joined by Frank Garcia. Follow him on Twitter at FrankGarcia65. And, Frank, there's something that's perplexing me, if not just really just ticking me off. When they announced last week that Will Greer would indeed be the starter, Scott Turner said that he has been ready since week three. Why in the world did they wait until week 16? They said that was a targeted date. Why did they wait until week 16 before even giving him first-team snaps? You know, Kyle Allen was doing a formidable job initially. Um, and then uh, you start going sideways, and, uh, you know, there's there's room to grow. You know, being ready uh, is, is a lot more than, you know, just being able to, you know, go out there and, and understand, you know, what your offense is doing. You have to understand what the defense is doing. You have to understand the type of plays that you're running. There's a lot more you can learn by watching. And I don't think they wanted to put them out there too early. Uh, because I think that they hope that there's a future there for him potentially as a starting quarterback down the road. And Frank, my last question for you, and it goes back to the coaching search. How 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 good of a job is the Panthers' job? Um, that's a really good question. You know, I, I would say it's a, it's a great job. You have an owner that cares. You have a fan base that's hungry to win. Um, I think the facilities initially are going to be um, you know upgraded, uh, and I think that those things all attribute to having, you know, a great potential moving forward. I think the one thing that's really kind of would be hesitant if I'm a head coach looking for a, a job uh, and I had my choice, 
of where to go, uh, the quarterback position is a um, is, is is a big uh, question mark. Um, is it going to be Cam? Because you know people don't give Ron, I, I believe, the credit that he deserves. Uh, he, Cam Newton is a, is a great player. Um, you know, when healthy, he's one of the best in the league, and he's an outstanding you know athlete. But you know, there's ego uh, that goes along with Cam Newton, um, and we you know he's kind of a, he's he's kind of been a hard cookie to to crack or crumble a little bit. And I think that. Uh, if you're looking for a coach that uh, is going to be able to handle, you know, that type of personality, um, that's really the most difficult thing for any coach because you're you're dealing with people, and um, you know those are going to be the people are going to be the ones like him. And I think that uh, you know that, that's not a knock; it's just it's his personality and who he is. And I think Ron really allowed him to establish himself with the players. So and that's going to be the the one you know kind of question mark I would have as a, as a coach coming in is that. Who's going to be my quarterback, and where do we go from there? Frank, what are your New Year's plans? Oh, geez, I'm going to be out in the Rose Bowl. I have a buddy, uh, uh, Chad Cota. His uh, his nephew is uh, playing. Uh, he was the defensive MVP of the Pac-12 championship last week. So he's going to be out in the Rose Bowl. I'm taking my son. We're going to go to Disneyland and have a great time out there in sunny uh, Southern California. All right, he's NFL veteran Frank Garcia. You can follow him on Twitter at FrankGarcia65. Frank, safe travels. Have a happy holiday, buddy. Thank you, guys. You have a great day, and uh, appreciate you having me on. All right, appreciate it. It's Frank Garcia. Follow him on Twitter, at FrankGarcia65. I, I agree with some of the points. It, it, you have an owner who cares, and David Tepper cares. You don't spend $2.275 billion, a record amount, for an NFL franchise, unless you care. You're going to care if you put $2.275 billion in anything. So I get that. And he is doing all he can to upgrade the facilities and and try to be open-minded and learn about things before he makes a change. But at the same time, I think that you've got to look in a certain area and say, we've got to fix this immediately. Why, why did they not put in Will Greer earlier? I know even Frank said he was going sideways. Why did they not stop the bleeding? It couldn't do any worse. It couldn't, it couldn't exacerbate the situation anymore. And I get you, you got to learn. You got to get used to the defenses and all that. But he was taking scout team snaps. Put him in a bad situation. Going to play with a lot of guys who aren't, probably won't even be around next year, especially if they revamp that offensive line, which needs revamped. I think it was a no-win situation for Will Greer, and I hope it doesn't do anything to stymie his growth as a pro quarterback. 1-800-849-2761. Give us your thoughts. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. He's the UVA head basketball coach, Tony Bennett. You always believed in us. I guess you were the wind beneath our wings. There you go. How's that? <laughs> do we but, have uh, background music for right. that? That's right. That's Bette Midler. There we go. Keep it right here on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Enjoyed our talk with Frank Garcia. Six years he played for the Panthers, nine years total in the NFL. There are so many different scenarios when it comes to the future of the Carolina Panthers. So many things to consider. And again, it all starts with the quarterback position. Worst case scenario, and we're talking 2020 here. Cam leaves, Cam's 
traded, released, whatever. He's gone. He's not with the team. And the starting quarterback is a guy that's on the roster right now. That would not be good. That wouldn't end well for anybody. And if you're a potential head coach candidate, you're considering that right now, as Frank alluded to. Who's going to be my quarterback? There's a big difference in taking over a team that has a healthy Cam Newton as to taking over a team that has a healthy Kyle Allen. You don't go there. Now, let's say Cam's gone, traded, released, leaves, retires, whatever, and he's not with the team again. And they say, okay, we need a quarterback, but we're not going with one of the guys we have. We're going to draft one, and we're going to do what we need to do to move up high enough in the draft to get the QB1 of the future, be that a Joe Burrow, a Tua, whomever. Now, that could play out a couple of different ways even from that. You have instant success, which isn't unheard of, or it's a process. He has to mature into the role. Then there's option three, Cam's back. Cam's healthy. But he's playing on that one-year deal. He's got one year left in the contract, $19 million. Bargain basement. You have a coach who's tethered to that, and you go, okay, well, he, I've got Cam Newton. He's healthy. Oh, man, that's great. But is he going to be around next year? Then the franchise has to decide, is it going to make an effort to extend it going forward? Now, he's going to be 31, and he's had a history of injuries lately. So you've got that hanging over you possibly all season, unless they do one-year deals, which I wouldn't see that happening. I think at 31, you want to try to lock up a long-term deal for as much money as you can. Now, if you're Mike McCarthy, all of this is playing out in your mind. If you're anybody that's interested in being a head coach of the Carolina Panthers, all of it's playing out in your mind. And you're also thinking about this as we go into the final Sunday of the regular season. What other jobs are going to open? Black Monday is just around the corner. I'll be sitting in this chair on Black Monday, and I'm sure there'll be some announcements while I'm sitting in this chair of coaching changes. One of them could be Jason Garrett of the Cowboys. Will he coach his last game on Sunday when they play Washington in Jerry World? If they lose, I have to think yes. Because they're not going to make the playoffs. If they win, well... His last game could be his first loss in the playoffs. Seems to me to be a foregone conclusion that he's not coming back. So if you're Mike McCarthy, do you say, okay, what's the better job? And, I, and again, I'm using Dallas as an example. What's the better job? Is that a better situation than Carolina? They both have very involved owners, though, to different degrees. Jerry Jones is also the general manager, president, all that stuff. He's, he's, the, he's the one that gets the groceries and cooks them for you, to use Bill Parcells' old analogy. So it's not as easy as going in and saying, I, I want this job or that job. There's a lot of things to consider. And the Carolina Panthers, there are more questions than answers. And it's incredible. It, it really is when you think about it. There, there's so many questions, but it all comes down to one thing. How healthy will Cam Newton be going forward? Will that surgically repaired foot heal? Will it heal fast enough? Will it heal properly? Will he be the player he was before? The saving grace in all this is that his surgically repaired shoulder, well, it's had a rest. 
It's had a rest. It's had an opportunity to, to recover from that procedure and perhaps get back some of the arm strength he had prior to that. His arm wasn't the best before he went down with the foot injury. Cam Newton in his prime, though, had a, had a hose, dude. So much to consider. You have to start thinking, though, after Cam, now. Even if he comes back, then you got to think, okay, well, who's our quarterback in three years, four years? 31 years old for Cam is like 36, the way he's played. And I'm not belittling him. That's just a fact. The guy's played hard. He's played physical football. And he's more than likely going to continue to break down. Surely to goodness, the Panthers don't want to be caught in another situation like they're in this year. And, and that was more to my point to Frank, and he kind of went in a different direction, but how did, how did they get in this situation where everything fell apart because of one player? Kyle Allen's undrafted free agent. That was your backup quarterback. And I know you've got to have a certain set of skills to even be on the NFL roster. I get that. That's, that's, that's legitimate. But there are 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL, and Kyle Allen was the worst. I don't. I can't think of one that was worse. Now he's not even starting. Okay, you've got Will Greer. And I like Will Greer's game a lot in college. Haven't seen enough of it in the pros. And I don't think it's fair to gauge him on what we saw last week. Again, behind, behind a terrible offensive line against a pretty good defense and on the road. And down 14-0 out of the gate because of the uh, – Less than stellar, putting it mildly, being kind, play of the Panthers' special teams. For all I know, Will Greer could be the quarterback of the future. Number 100 overall pick in third round, 2019 NFL draft. But I got a sneaking suspicion he isn't. What is the plan going forward? We're going to have to wait to find out because a lot of that will be determined by the new coach, by the new general manager, all that. And Marty Herney, what, what's he going to have to do with all this? Cap-wise, they should be okay. They'll have money if they want to go out into the free agent market. There'll be some names, but I'm, I'm not a big believer in that. It, it doesn't work out as often as you would think. The NFL is such a fickle world. Going out in the free agent market, man, that's, that's risky. I would rather get the right guy and keep him. But then you have to be able to identify the talent. You got to surround them with the good linemen. You got to make sure the wide receivers are good. Right now, there are questions of wide receiver. DJ Moore developing into a, a WR1. But what about the rest of them? I alluded to it earlier. Curtis Samuel has a little too much Ted Ginn in him 50 50. He'll catch only half the balls thrown his way. I like what they're doing with him out of the backfield, though. Remember, he was a running back at Ohio State. And I like the way Scott Turner is integrating him into the backfield. But he's not, a, he's, he's not an elite wide receiver, though. And you can't integrate him into the backfield all the time. Sometimes you need to have his butt out there playing wide out. What are they going to do at tight end? Greg Olson, I've got a feeling Greg Olson's done after this year. I think he's just done. He's had injury problems. after He started like the first eight years of his career, he didn't miss a game. And now he's missed time, I do believe, each of the last three seasons, perhaps four, I think three. He's coming out of concussion protocol He's lost really the only coach he's known in the NFL, even when he was with the Bears. You know, then he came here. 
What's I think he's he's beat down. You talk to him after the games, and he's just yeah. I know losing's frustrating, but you got losing, you got injuries, the 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 whole the whole tone of the locker room changing. I think I think he's done. So you've got that to fill, and you do have probably the ultimate weapon in the NFL with Christian McCaffrey. Although you can make that argument for Lamar Jackson. But what do you do to compliment him? So many questions. The offseason, this could be one of the biggest offseasons in the history of the Carolina Panthers. And I go back perhaps to the offseason after Super Bowl 50. They made a lot of changes then. Offseason after 2014 made a lot of changes as well. But what's coming will determine the fate of this organization for the next 10, maybe 15 years. It's going to be fascinating to see how it all plays out. It's also going to be fascinating to speak with Eric Boynton, 202. He's going to give us a call from the desert. He's been at Media Day for the Fiesta Bowl, number three Clemson versus number two Ohio State. We'll get his take on everything happened today in about 20 minutes. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. I made a reference to Mike Krzyzewski of Duke and his GOAT status. And I kid you not, I got angry emails. If I really wanted to insult somebody, I would include some kind of sentence about being in the bleeping prairie chewing on grass. This is The David Glenn Show. Wrapping up the second hour of the David Glenn Show on Thursday, day after Christmas. We're all a little sad. 364 days until Christmas, Charles. Get your list done. Start your shopping early. Charles, what'd you get for Christmas? I got a new TV. Oh, really? Real nice new TV. Yeah. Good for you, Charles. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, good for you, man. It was a great Christmas. It was a really nice Christmas. What's the first thing you watched on it? Um, some basketball last night. The last the uh, game between the Clippers and the Lakers. A little bit of that. I watched It's a Wonderful Life about three or four times. Add that to my 300 times before that. Got Eric Boynton of the Spartanburg Herald Journal joining us in about about 13 minutes. It's out in the desert. Media day for the Fiesta Bowl, Clemson, Ohio State. That'll be 8 o'clock, 4 o'clock on Saturday, Oklahoma, LSU. And you look at these four teams, and for the first time, first time in the six-year history of the college football playoff, each team could say its strength is quarterback. It's at the quarterback position. You, you start at the top, number one LSU. You got Joe Burrow, Ohio State transfer, Ohio State graduate. People forget he got his degree already. He won the Heisman, just ran away with the Heisman Trophy. Completing 76% of his passes. That is absurd. You got him, okay? Oklahoma. Well, you got Jalen Hurts, who I I think, and I might be slightly askew here, I think Jalen Hurts is 38-3 and three as a starter between his times at Alabama and with the Sooners. 38-3. and three. That's fantastic. And then in the, in the nightcap, Ohio State, number two, Justin Fields. What what has Justin Fields done? Mm, 40 touchdowns, one interception. (laughs) And he can run. It's incredible. And then Clemson with Trevor Lawrence, who we had given Trevor Lawrence the Heisman back in August. Then he struggled about the first four games or so. 
And then ever since about mid-October, he's been as good as any quarterback in the country and likely the number one overall pick in the 2021 draft. I, I don't know if I'm ready to say this is the greatest quarterback class in history. You go back in time and you, you talk about the quarterback class of 83 with Elway and Marino and, and all those guys. Or even the quarterback class of a couple of years ago was supposed to be just phenomenal. I'm still waiting on it to develop. And that was the, the Josh Rosen class and the Josh Allen class. But I look at this group now, and, and they're of varying ages. And I don't know that there's been a time in college football where you've had this level. Now, you also have to consider the game is so different than at any point in history. When you have quarterbacks going out and completing 76% of their passes, you have quarterbacks going out and throwing 40 touchdowns against one interception, it's something it's just different. It's not really fair to compare it to any other era. The growth and popularity and access, I guess, of the seven-on-seven camps and those summer teams and all that has changed the game exponentially. The spread offense has changed the game more than we can even understand. So it's not really fair to compare eras because when you look at the 83 class, Marino, Elway, I think Jim Kelly might have been, I mean, it was unbelievable. Todd Blackledge was good in college. It was an unbelievable class. They were traditional pro-style offense quarterbacks. These guys are doing something we've never seen the likes of before. And they're all pretty athletic. Joe Burrow's athleticism, very underrated. What he did against Bama, I thought was just phenomenal. I thought that was one of the all-time efforts. Greatest in history. This Ford, uh, It's definitely the greatest in the six years of the playoff. And here's, here's where this game with Clemson and Ohio State, though, is going to get more curious. The last time those two teams played, Clemson absolutely dismantled Ohio State on New Year's Eve. Buckeyes so one-dimensional in that game. And they were able to do that. They were able to bully their way through the Big Ten. And it was kind of traditional Ohio State football. Not necessarily three yards in a cloud of dust, but not too far from it. But coming out of that game, they had to make the decision to, to expand the playbook, to expand the field, stretch the field vertically. And they've done that. And Justin Fields transferred from Georgia, who was granted immediate eligibility for various issues, has shown that he is so perfect for what Ryan Day is doing up there. And I guess Urban Meyer threw him up until then. By the way, Urban Meyer is in the desert. He's an analyst for Fox now. He was at Media Day today. And I do believe Eric spoke to him. So it would be interesting to get his take on the game. And I'm wondering this, is Urban Meyer going to be coaching in the NFL? Seems to be a lot of uh, murmuring that he could be the next coach of the Cowboys, even though the Cowboys technically still have a coach. Will Jerry Jones back up the Brinks truck? give Urban Meyer what he wants, because Ur even Urb has said that he would take that job. He said that's the one job he would take. Cowboys. Big D, that iconic star. I say they can have him. I am not an Urban Meyer fan. It, it, his old shtick, he'll go, he'll do well, he'll claim some reason he's got to leave, and then pretty soon other issues materialize shortly after he split town. That was his MO at Florida. 
It was his M.O. at Ohio State, even though the issues popped up right before he left town. He left as something of a martyr almost to those people. Too harsh, Charles? No, it's about right. It's about right, isn't it? Unless you're in Columbus. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan. And I've, I've got news for everybody else. And those who are saying Lincoln Riley is going to be the next coach of the Cowboys or even the Panthers, I've heard that. Not happening. Not happening. Why would you leave Oklahoma where you can basically do anything you want in the whole state to go to the NFL, probably take a pay cut because he's making some pretty good coin with the Sooners and have to deal with a whole different set of expectations. Right now, he really doesn't have to answer to anybody. He goes to the NFL. You, you got a lot more people involved, buddy. You got an owner who's wanting to return on his investment. There's no way he leaves. Lincoln Riley can stay in Oklahoma forever as long as he's winning eight to ten games a year. Forever. Why would you leave and go deal with the circus that is in Dallas or even Charlotte? And, and why would he leave now? If he does leave, why would he leave now? He's such a young guy. He could spend another decade in Norman, even further add to his legacy there, and then say, well, okay, I'll make the jump. Kind of like Spurrier did. When he went to Washington, then he came back. There's no way he leaves for the NFL now, especially with, with what they're saying about the, the executives feeling that they're wanting more seasoned head coaches to come in this year, that there's not a really deep core of hotshot coordinators and that the first-year coaches are struggling. They're wanting to get the experienced coaches in for the HC jobs next year. We're going to check in at the Fiesta Bowl. Eric Boynton in the Spartan Her Herald Journal is going to join us on the other side. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Dean in Wilmington, you're up on The David Glenn Show. The NCAA book on violations is so sick Superman has trouble carrying. This is true. However, it's not buried into the small print in the back that you're not allowed to drive luxury cars that aren't yours, okay? <laughs> Keep it here on The David Glenn Show.